Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going? What's happening? Today's guest, Kristen Hirsch, is, um, well, she's still in a lot of bands, throwing muses, 50-foot wave, her solo album. She's written several books, and her new memoir is called Seeing Sideways, a memoir of music and motherhood. I remember her from way back when I was in Boston. I remember throwing muses when they played this tiny little corner of a fucking second room in a bar upstairs. I just remember seeing him with, you know, eight other people and five of us there from the restaurant that Tanya Donnelly worked at, which is the same one I worked at and watched him. And I, it's hard not to be mesmerized by uh, Kristen Hirsch, but I really haven't talked to her or I never did. I never maybe met her once, but I haven't seen her in 30 years. Haven't really, uh, you know, I kind of went through her book a little bit and kind of tried to get a handle on it. But it's weird when you don't see somebody and they're kind of stuck in the amber of your memory and that's how they are and that's how they were. But it was interesting to talk to her and kind of feel out where she is now and talk about the new book and the past and how she got here. And then uh, afterwards, uh, her and her, uh, her dude, her bass player were staying around the corner. I invited him for dinner. They had dinner. It was some of the first socializing uh, I did post-vaccine. Uh Sammy the Kitten, Sammy the Red, Lord Samuel is doing fine. He's growing. Him and Buster are getting along. They're grooming each other. They're hanging out. They couldn't like each other more. It's a little difficult for me because me and Buster had a thing going, and now that thing is diminished a bit because uh, Buster and Sammy have a thing going. But that, I have to remember, is why I got the kitten because I didn't want... uh, booster to get bored and to be sad or to be lonely so now he's got this friend and i'm the one who's out i'm the one who's a persona like who's that guy i'm the guy sitting there going like what about me fellas what about me but it's okay it's all right i'm sort of trying to get back into the mindset of it's very hard man my days are long because i get up i still get up I'm still honoring the pattern of lockdown. I think a lot of us realize, and I think I said this before, that you know, in order to get through it, you got to get some routines going. I get up at 6.15, 6.30, 
do 15 minutes of yoga, do 15 minutes of meditation, make my coffee, and get jacked out of my fucking brain on coffee. And I just keep wondering what's wrong with me every day when I just crap out at like two in the afternoon, literally go into some sort of borderline coma. And I'm like, is this diabetes? Is it cancer? Is it heart failure? Is it my organs? What's going on? Maybe it's because you drank a quart of coffee at 7.30 in the morning and worked out. Maybe it's that. Maybe that's just your midday coma and you shouldn't judge it so harshly. I don't know, man. Everything could change. Everything can change in, a, in an instant. Sometimes it could just take a tragedy. Sometimes it could just take a song. Sometimes it can just take a text from somebody or a call. Everything can change in an instant. Your feelings, the way you see something. And all that stuff is just the brain doing its thing. That's what I'm learning about meditation, pushing those thoughts aside. I'd always heard that thing, you know, feelings aren't facts. I know, but they, 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 I can feel them. They pass, they do. And I think also, ultimately, it's just a difficult week, man. This is a difficult week. A year ago today, you know, Lynn Shelton was sick and we didn't know what was she was sick with. And it was scary. And we were, she was online doing video doctor's appointments and on antibiotics trying to treat it like a virus. And a year ago today, I was scared and we agreed that she should go to the doctor. And not a day goes by where I don't think about that week, that day, that woman, all that ended there. But I guess the marker, the year, the anniversary makes it very, um, it's sort of like a year ago, this is what was happening. Not like, oh, that happened a while back. It's like one year ago. How could that not have an effect? I guess I should give myself a break, as they say, in the self-care racket. The existential hammer of mortality. Heartbreak. How hard do I want to not feel the pain of sadness? What will my brain do to help me do that? Will I make someone else sad? Will I hurt someone else's feelings? Will I rage at the world? Where does it come from for all of us? What's the big deal? When are we gonna realize that we're all fucking hurt and that we're hurting each other and that we're being fucking divided and conquered daily by the rackets, the desire miners, the people that want 
discomfort and pain and chaos to keep the engines going. We're just the fuel. Our feelings and lives are just the fuel that they run money through. Sorry. I mean, I'm sad. I'm sad about the anniversary of somebody I loved uh, passing. But the other stuff I said is true. All right. This was an exciting talk for me. It kind of went, uh, she's intense, man. Kristen Hirsch, uh, her book, Seeing Sideways, a memoir of music and motherhood is available now. Uh, you know her music from The Throwing Muses, 50-Foot Wave, her solo work. Um, I was excited to talk to her and see her after 35 years or so. This is me talking to the uh, amazing Kristen Hirsch. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. What are you doing in California? I come, come to see you. <laughs> that was it? That's the whole trip? No, I'm living with my little surfer kid. My youngest is a pro surfer. Where? In Encinitas. How far is that from here? As the crow flies, it's an yeah. hour and a half. As right. I drive in my fucked up truck, it's like eight hours. Eight hours? Well, you know the five. It's yeah, unpredictable. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst drive. So I took the train. You did? It's very romantic. I've never taken it. Is it romantic by yourself still? It's quiet. Yeah. It, and it does that thing that I remember taking the train into New York. Yeah. It starts off, you're just like, I am in every old movie that ever was, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I am so fancy right now, I'm going to wear my <laughs> yeah. fucking pearls into the dying car, and then it just becomes Jersey garbage. Oh, yeah, just... just it does that yeah. here, too. I was so sad. It starts you, out like, I'm sorry. and it's not your fault. I'm I sorry it's not you. 1930 for anymore. It was in my head for a minute, and yeah. I would take that. <laughs> I'm so, I'm <laughs> and sorry. then it crumbled. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry no one dressed up for the dining car. <laughs> I was too scared to stand up and look for the dining car, but that's was, okay. I kept it in my head. So that's the train that goes from here all the way up to, like, where? Seattle or something, or no? I wish. Mm. That's my favorite five drive. But as long as you skip the uh, Kauschwitz part. That's the worst, man. Yeah. That, that stinky part. That is, is this is Encinitas that far up? It's not that far up, is it? It's, you don't go past the stinky part, do you? Encinitas is- Kauschwitz. Where did that come from? 
<laughs> from touring there over and over and over again. Is that your you name? You become a vegetarian it? for like four hours. <laughs> I think there's hogs there too, isn't there? There's hogs. There's pain. Cow. There's just man-made pain. Yeah, every and burger you eat is a is a is just it, a, yeah. That a becomes patty your of, fault. <laughs> a, a patty of fear and pain. Uh, no, I'm in Encinitas, which is between here and San Diego. Oh, so it's down that way. Yeah, he has to be there because he shapes boards and he's in comps and all that. How old is that kid? He just turned 18. And that's your youngest kid? Yes, which means this this is an empty nest day. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it sad? It's horrifying. (laughs) When my editor pitched the idea for this book, he said, if I've timed this right, you'll be facing empty nest as soon as it's published and right. i flipped him off i was like that's awful oh. he's and he just waited and said yeah. you can do it yeah you'll be okay he didn't say that here come here come the really sad songs <laughs> just the crumble songs <laughs> the dusty crumbling <laughs> but so it was your idea to do this book like this or your 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 editor pitched some idea to you. You know about what? It? I don't think I have ever had an idea. Mm. I just throw myself into others' suggestions. No, you, you have ideas. You you, you write uh, you, you write impulsive words, but maybe I absolutely not, do. Not maybe not broader ideas, but you definitely <laughs> there's things coming out of you a lot. I need children, <laughs> words, songs. <laughs> that I will stand by. <laughs> I need a troll under my bridge to the external world uh-huh. and. Uh, People like idea men yeah. are that troll to me. And so when he said, I want a book about raising four boys on a tour bus, I said, well, you, you've met children and you've <laughs> met buses. So it sounds like a good idea, but they're both, they can be a little samey. Yeah. <laughs> this would be a 30-year uh-huh. time span, whereas my first book was one year. The second was 10 years. This is 30. And... Uh, he just kind of waited again and said, oh, "You can do it." Well, it's like it's so nice because I, you know, I, I didn't have time to read the whole book, but when I've the parts I read, I mean, you're a real writer, so it's writerly and it's beautifully written. I've read some pretty matter-of-fact memoirs lately, but yeah. but your sort of sense of of space and feeling is, you know, from being a songwriter for so long is very, you know, uh, creatively informed. You know, it's funny that you can hear that because you, you play. Yeah. It's very musical, right? Sure, yeah. It's all rhythm and melody. Yeah, rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. Impressionistic. Yeah. Almost lyrics. Right. I hate the term prose poetry, but I got to say, it approaches sort of using your own vocabulary as a sonic vocabulary instead of conversational English. And I love that. And so I buried myself in it for about five years. This is a five-year book? Yeah. Oh, man. It should take you five years to read it if you're... But be careful. Polite. Yeah, if, yes. you, if, you, if you really want to absorb, <laughs> just to make it worth my time. <laughs> but it was lovely. I've been getting up at three a.m. and throwing myself back in time. It's a good technique. Because well, that also makes it, uh, you know, through that filter of experience and whatever kind of wisdom or just memory to to sort of uh, you know conjure that. 
mm. uh, is a, a poetic uh, exercise. It is, and it's kind of awful, and it's kind of wonderful. Mm. And I find that I'm a much better writer when I'm writing about something I enjoyed. You, you <laughs> enjoy the bad the kids? stuff. I just kind of want to skip over. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can make this over now. There's no heartbreak in this book. I have. A, that's not. It's hard to believe. <laughs> There's a lot of heartbreak. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Maybe you can put off the and for a while, but it, it comes and goes. I wrote a book about Vic Chestnut, which had heartbreak only at the end because he dies and i almost left that out because i thought it was almost anticlimactic compared to what he brought to this plane to just suddenly cut it all off might be more beautiful if the book just ended and yet he chose that death and i thought well all right this is the last call you're going to make in my life is okay you you're going to write the end because you wrote your own end but in this book the still alive. Is scattered throughout. All the kids are still alive. <laughs> yeah. Life goes on. Pretty much. Well, I, I was weird because I just dipped into the, like, uh, I don't know which kid section it was, but it was in New Orleans. It began in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And then I put on, uh, I went on a hike this morning. I listened to Grotto about halfway Aww, through. And thank it's sort you. Of, well, that's sort of like the time, right? Sure. Yeah. I lose track of time. I'm not real great with but like time. I, It was just coincidental <laughs> that, like, it seems Aww. like that some of the experiences that were in the songs in Grotto were in that chapter. Absolutely. Wow, you're amazing. <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> what? what I mean, you knew that, no? I listened to the first Throwing Muses album, or the second one, and then the most recent one. You ever done that? Oh, God, no. I, I would never <laughs> listen to the first Throwing Muses record. I couldn't listen to it then. <laughs> It's the second one. It was. Uh, it was the second one. Okay. But, well, I don't listen to any of them really, but huh? I don't listen to any of them. No, I don't. But... I know. How could you? I mean, it's, you've done like you must have written a thousand songs since then. Yeah, and we're we're sort of an ongoing entity. We don't always publish everything we do or record it. We like to keep that the evolving band. You mean or you? Uh, everybody. Yeah. It is me. Yeah. <laughs> I have three entities solo 50-foot wave and throwing music right. and we're all sort of playing in ongoing fashion to keep that circular breathing uh-huh. action uh, familiar I suppose so yeah. you never go through the period of um, having to unload excess baggage before you get to the clearer vision right 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 and, and then when it's time to share the songs kind of make that apparent and you you know raise the money to record and then you release it and that's not even for everybody. What the uh, the the music or the releasing or the acting the, uh, the act of it? The record. Yeah. Yeah. Well, none of it really. <laughs> you, you hope that it's <laughs> if it's good medicine, it's gonna work for those who need it and hurt those who don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, like, just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. You want songs to hurt people. <laughs> if you don't get this, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gonna happen, so you might as well be cool with it. Well, I mean, I, I'm always a big fan, like because, like as as it seems like in the later uh, versions, I'm a big fan of a three chord psychedelia. So, mm-hmm. so, like, there's a certain three chord magic to the build of psychedelic sounds. And That's I, real. Yeah, I know it's real. <laughs> It's like I know it's like a it's like a spell or or yeah. uh, 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 I don't know what. But it always works. I was so angular for so long, and I wanted pointy, and I wanted raw, and I, then I realized, well, it's not me. That was those songs. And then when the last Throwing Music record, like a couple of years ago, yeah, that's, what, that's, that's the one I listened to. Year? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, it is very 
hypnotic is the nice word for right. it. Boring would be the bad one. It's not boring because you do the, it's sort of like, hey, we're in it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're changing. <laughs> but, but it's subtle, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm getting yeah. nicer in my crumbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a three-quarter psychedelia thing going on there. Yeah, I like it. Well, I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, having been around when the beginning started is that whatever the the Hirsch portal is, you know, into, you know, the the wellspring of uh, melancholic darkness, <laughs> you know, you, you, you've you kept it open. Like, you know, it's uniquely yours all the way through. Really? I yeah. wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that. No, why would you? But I mean, you, you have, <laughs> but even in the acoustic stuff, you know, you, you come through, even in like the way you pluck a guitar, you know, there's something, there's something that comes all the way through. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I swear? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's interesting. Do you not? Do you not think? About, why would you think about it? You just kind of like you know keep going. You just yeah, keep... I do, and I don't know how to look back. Yeah. I can um, let my drummers request a song that they right. will call a cover. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, of yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because they take issue with the fact that I choose in recording entities according to the guitars. Mm. I write fifty foot wave songs <laughs> on the Les Paul SG, throwing muses on the Telly or the Strat, and right. then. Uh, the angular stuff is a telly in the strat. I suppose so, right? Because <laughs> yeah, that's that sound. And the muddier stuff is yeah. the less ball. And, yeah. and more and heavy. And the crunch is the SG. And then there's Collings acoustics yeah. that I write the solo stuff on. And Bill Collings just died, so maybe that's all over now. And so maybe my drummer's point does, is a what, good does one. Does the guitar die with the guy? Well, I can't get any more. Well, I mean, what do you do with them? How I many... bury them. I travel around the world <laughs> and I kill them. I, I thought you could keep it alive like a car. You're supposed to. I mean, like, there's some Gibsons around from the 20s. Well, that's that's what I said to these guitar nerds. Yeah. Like, they're out in the woods just kind of playing in wood with their yeah. mullets. And yeah. they're like, oh, no, you killed it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you play it too hard? Did you not you know, keep it I moist? Think... <laughs> <laughs> Some guy at a radio station, I didn't bring a guitar, and they wanted me to play a song. Yeah. And they said, well, you can use Jack's guitar. He's got one. And he was about to hand it to me, and he suddenly stopped and <laughs> took it back and what? said, do you have acid sweat? What? <laughs> What? Like an alien? (laughs) Acid blood, acid sweat. It's possible that that's what I did to them and they died, but they really don't don't play right anymore and they're right. Uh, Well, I'm sure you can get yourself another brand of acoustic guitar. (laughs) Well, I'm just being a sissy. Bill actually watched me play and built these guitars for me and put me in line over Lyle Lovett and said, you're going to get the first one of these trees that falls down. Oh, wow. He was one of my... You know, proofs of genius. He yeah. didn't play guitar. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't play guitar. <laughs> yeah, but he talk about howling. Yeah, yeah. His was uh, resonant wood and the way acoustics move mm-hmm. and the way players' hands mm-hmm. work and mm-hmm. uh, passion turned into waves and it's like right on. So he was like, uh, 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 he was a receiver. I suppose so. Yeah, and I love it when people just. Uh, genius is very narrow. <laughs> the parameters sort of define. I'm themselves. jealous of them. So, like, not only they, they are they the genius, but they know exactly what to do with it. Exactly. Not some sort of like broken vessel, <laughs> scrambling around. <laughs> now pr- you're crumbling pr- again. <laughs> proud of pieces. This is a thing I did. The one I am time. a puzzle. Solve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How's everyone doing on the me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the songs definitely were consistently uh, 
what did you call it? Melancholy. Darkness? Melancholy. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of yelling. It didn't sound melancholic. Well, I'm trying to think like, I think the last time I saw you was probably like uh, 35 years ago. It was a weird thing. And I was trying to think of where it was while I was hiking up the hill because we had some sort of common past, you and I. I, like, I lived in Boston. Mm -hmm. I worked at Edibles. And I worked there. I remember Edibles. Yeah. I worked there. Aw, that's great. <laughs> I remember those walks. Yeah. I was just, uh, I had spiral eyes back then. Uh-huh. What does that mean? Well, my eyes were spinning around in my head. I uh -huh. wasn't seeing right. <laughs> I was straddling this plane and another. Yeah, what was well, the not, other Well, not plane? call that crazy, but um, music. It oh. was just... Well, I yeah. saw you guys, like, I, like, and it was before, it must have been 84, 85, and I think, like, it was in an upstairs room, there was a bar and then a room, and there was no stage, you were on floor level. I want to say it was the Convara pub. It's possible. And, you know, it was before anything. <laughs> and it was kind of amazing. It was just me and 10 people, like, four Aww. people from work. Thank that kind you of for thing. that. That's so sweet. I wanted to stay there. And I was I, like, "This, this, they're going places." <laughs> You're so nice. She's she's weird and good. <laughs> I didn't want to go anywhere. I wanted to move into the van and go there. Mm. You know, I was, I, I always had a problem with the, the going places thing. I I still get a stomachache when I got to release something, and I think, well, no, what? Yeah. It, don't take it. Don't 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 shine a light on it. Now it's shame. It was so beautiful a minute yeah. ago. Now it's going to be judged and have to worry. Yeah, like do the, you have that the book today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was personal. I do the same thing with interviews. I have a nice conversation with a dude, and then he writes it down and publishes it. I yeah, feel betrayed. Well, you know, then they can, but in in writing, they can just pull pieces out. They can when you talk. You know, it's kind of straight up. I know. And when I make a record, it's my fault. And I do love it. And it's love. But love is not very popular. Like is real in. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You know, right. a million likes is way better than one love, that thing. Oh, yeah, I wanted yeah. the one love and just in the van. And I got it. It, it just took, it was a horrible roller coaster of anti-corporate. and. Well, what, like, but where'd you, like, so you never worked at Edibles. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> It's a long way of saying, no, I didn't work at Edible. I was working at a, a health food store because they let me work in the back room and just put little things in bags and where put was stickers that? on them. That was on the island, yeah. uh, Aquidneck Island. Where is that? Uh, in Rhode Island. Oh, is that where you grew up? I'm from Georgia. Really? And then, uh, yeah, my philosophy professor, dad, dude, yeah. got a job up north. And, uh -huh. Yeah, that's where I met my bandmates. You from Atlanta? Uh-huh. And did but when did you leave Atlanta? I was a kid. So you went back and built and got to know Vic? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean Vic and I just fell together because of the music business. Really. Right. We yeah. toured together and Oh, okay. But when you find somebody who is on not the same page but a similar one. Yeah. He had that kind of this is the devil thing that I had. And this is heaven. Yeah. And this devil heaven is a cliff, and we got to jump off. It was, sounds kind of melodramatic, but it was only dramatic. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it hit real hard. And so we clung to each other. Yeah. As a refuge in a business that is not very much like that. Yeah, I remember there, there was like, in, 
so you came up as a kid, and then you you grew up in Rhode Island, in Newport, or no, where was it? Yeah. yeah, I can't. I have. I think I've only been there once in my life. It's pretty. Yeah, it is right, and they got that really richy rich area, right? Well, I wouldn't know that. Well, wasn't there a big I mansion? They made there that was that binge, big mansion. Yeah, Great Gatsby. It was yeah. richy rich, but it's the poorest county in the state. But like, there's this like on the beach are these old ass mansions, right? Yes, right. And that's creepy. what I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. It's got a right. gothic thing. It's yeah. got a Irish kind of um, drama in the air. It's real uh-huh. salty and misty. Yeah, yeah. That's great, though, right? It is great. Yeah, I'm not there anymore. But no, I know, I know. But then, so you met? Where'd you? How'd you meet Tanya? Uh, just school. There are only like four people in Newport. <laughs> They but, were all in my band. <laughs> but, the, but you knew each other from elementary school? Uh, maybe just after. Yeah? Yeah. Our parents got married for a couple of years. Your so parents were your parents married? My you. mother married her father for like two or three years. So we were like sisters for a second. <laughs> and we looked just alike. So we would fuck with people like, oh, we're step twins. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> wow. So that was kind of racy. Seems like it kind of a something went down, huh? I had only a few people on the island, like yeah, I said. Yeah, I know, right. So, Eventually, yeah. you're going to get married. It's like inbred. Everyone's going to get their turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, why did you leave? I uh, I was sort of, I just was there because um, I went to school there. I went to school out in Milton for a year and then I went to BU for like four years mm-hmm. and then I left and I came out here and I got fucked up on drugs and I went back. Ah. So so I kind of started doing comedy back there in the eight, like 88 and then I was around, you know, it's so. A comedy time. Yeah, you, you know, but in college it was definitely a music time. Um, I wasn't that engaged with it, but I saw a few people. I was friends with, um, you remember the Causeway Street Loft? You know, there, those lofts, that, that that gang down there, there were some bands down, the Cave Dogs, mm-hmm. Mark River, those guys I kind of knew. And so, but then I, I went back to Boston, restarted again. I was there on and off for, you know, seven or eight years. And then mm-hmm. I just left it. And I never, I never go back. Yeah. It's weird. I just don't go back. It's not the same place we were Time at. and place are very different. I loved being a teenager there and playing with, Seven or eight bands a yeah. night, and none of us were headlining. Yeah. In fact, the headliner kind of missed out on the bulk of the crowd. Right. Bands like Pixies and Dinosaur. and Yeah. We just played to celebrate each other's invention. Yeah. And as you know, invention is suspect in just about every sphere. So there was a very supportive uh, network yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. No competition that I could see. Yeah. Just, uh, Everyone was so different too. I mean, yes. I mean, that was the weird thing. Uh, like dinosaur pixies, you guys. I remember Buffalo Tom, Volcano Sons, Volcano Sons, <laughs> Salem '66. Oh yeah. Em- Emily Kaplan and Beth Kaplan. Beth Kaplan was in it. Emily managed them. Emily worked at Edibles. <laughs> Edibles and- was a, a. There was a, it was like a musician's kind of you know place to work. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were the other women. I had no idea they were going to call us female. None whatsoever. That they were going to call you female? That that was going to be a label? It never occurred to me. Yeah. And and then they would get pissed at me because the drummer was a dude. I was so confused. It's like, <laughs> why didn't you hire a woman to play drums? Really? Like, Dave's not a woman. I don't know 
how to explain this to you. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a hiring situation. <laughs> yeah, we're, exactly. Yeah, we're banned. This is a volunteer situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're lucky to have a drummer that fits what we do. But I remember Salem 66, they, they knew they were women. I just, I didn't realize that about us. Well, didn't you, you had a dude bass player too, right? At the beginning, no? No, Leslie was, was a lady. And uh, uh, then there's a dude. Yeah. I don't know, throwing music is just a word for a certain kind of music that I write on Les Paul. <laughs> right. Now. Sorry, a Strat or now, a Telly. Yeah. yeah. But on the, my last record, I had to sell uh, my guitars to finish it, which is a kind of gift of the Magi situations. That's another reason my system is going to be fucked. It's like, Wait a minute. You had to sell your guitars to finish which record? Uh, Possible Dust Clouds, my last solo record. Really? Yeah. Well, when I decided to break with corporate and in the industry, the recording industry, I knew what I was taking on. And it's all been experimenting after that. I knew it was not for me. I wasn't going to ever play product instead of music. I wasn't going to turn my back on women and do what we all know you're supposed to do, yeah. you know, the fashion and flirting and yeah. the looking at the camera like you want to fuck it and all that. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't yeah. sleep. And if you put, I know it's a win, but I couldn't put myself before my convictions. And really, if you are in, you're going to be out next year. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to work forever. And so working in the corner forever is a troubleshooting exercise forever. And so I'm listener supported, which is awesome. But it also is like making a film. You raise money and then you do what you can. You raise yeah. more money and then do what you can and it takes me like three to five years to finish a record now but i'm always um kind of piggybacking projects yeah so it hasn't slowed down our schedule at all what so when did you start playing at all yeah well i was nine yeah i took about 10 years of classical guitar um, oh really so you you knew how to do that i did uh the and picking. it was a beautiful hobby yeah and that, uh, if you've ever studied that kind of sheet music, sh it looks like ants I can't on a it. page. I still just want to learn how to finger pick properly. And I can't fucking, <laughs> can't fucking do it. Do what you are. No, you I, don't I'm have doing to that. do I'm what doing they're that. doing. I know. I've seen you. But <laughs> I, 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 I kind of do. That's all I do is what I, I got my pentatonics. I'm all That's set. beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, this kind of wrecked my playing because I wanted to. I but, was with some, tasked with something different, which was. The classical? Yeah, you're playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh. I, I learned so many rules and I got so deeply embedded in pushing through them that I was kind of coming at it from the wrong angle. Uh -huh. It would have been better for me to pick up a guitar as if I found it on a desert island. And sure. I had started writing songs when I was nine. Yeah. And they... Disturbing songs? <laughs> they disturb me now. <laughs> that counts. But then yeah. I got hit by a car and... Um, I had my leg. How old were you when you got hit I by a car? I was a teenager. Oh. And Do you remember hitting, getting hit by a car? Well, I had an odd uh, <sighs> relationship with trauma. I would break off so that there was another part of me that experienced trauma, uh -huh. and that was music to me. So, okay. Yeah, it was always a little disturbing. Um, and in this accident... Uh, my leg came off and my face came off and I had a triple concussion. And so I was in the hospital thinking I was hearing um, <sighs> industrial noise like machines. Yeah. And I asked the nurses what was what it was uh -huh. and they kept saying, oh, it's the 
kid next door's TV and stuff. And then it took me about a month to be in the hospital to realize, no, nah, this is something that just happened no. to me. And uh, it, the sounds began to organize into different vocabulary with uh-huh. which I was familiar. And that was throwing music's material. Oh, really? So it had always been happening. Lucky it wasn't industrial music. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it could have went either way. Could have, could have been the throwing music or Eisenstadt and Neubotten. I wouldn't have been saddled however. with this. It would have been better. <laughs> but yeah, I was always uh, carrying that alternate personality. So, but how long did that, though, that sort of, uh, how long did you hear that? Uh, until about five years ago, which I, I did not invite. I don't like strangeness very much. Yeah. yeah I was a biology, immunology major. I grew up on a commune, so I like things to make sense. And Where's the commune? Acid uh, in New England. Who, which, which parent did that? <laughs> they both did. Uh, <laughs> And I don't think they called it that. It was just home, but it was a big barn in the woods full of hippies, and they grew pot plants on the roof. Was was this before he took the job as a professor? Yeah. Yeah, so this is is my foundational (laughs) years. Oh, man. So you're just this, what, a three-year-old in a barn with a bunch of dirty hippies? Well, I guess they were dirty. I didn't notice. I was a dirty three-year-old. But I know. Everybody was, you know. I I say dirty hippies with love. I I know. I got love for the hippies. I do too, but it took a minute, <laughs> and I am one. <laughs> I have to admit it. There is something very beautiful about it, and something I wouldn't want to repeat. <laughs> oh, just all those people involved in everything. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, I moved on to a bus with a bunch of all those people involved, and so it's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. As a shy person, it actually kind of helps to live a culty life. <laughs> You're protected from the real world. Right. Everybody's looking out for you. Yeah. <laughs> but music was always that for me. I would disappear when I heard it, when I played it. Mm. I had no memory of writing it, playing it live. Yeah. And I didn't know why. I just thought, you know, art's weird, like everybody says. And yeah. it was, uh, uh, I was being treated for PTSD that was totally unrelated when it it revealed an, a dissociative um, it's not a mental illness, actually. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah. But I've been dissociating my whole life. and With I, music. Yeah. And then the accident just allowed me to hear that. Interesting. So what, what was the... So you're talking about trauma pre-accident. Yeah. I, I think you're sort of made for that. And, and now I'll, I'll do readings and uh, people who suffer from PTSD will show up and... Um, yeah. Like a lot of Gulf War vets, and we talk, and I've learned uh-huh. a lot about, you know, how to define yourself accordingly, which is something we got to kind of push through. Um, when you have PTSD, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But not all of them will dissociate, and it's. So the dissociating was like you, you, you would kind of disappear in, in into some other space in your yes. head. Yeah, yeah. And that was the musical space, right? So if okay. you see me live, that's what I, I do, was doing. Yeah. It's like I, a trance thing almost. Yeah, yeah. My eyes glaze over. I don't blink. And afterwards, I don't remember it. So that wasn't some sort of weird planned affectation. You're like, <laughs> she's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I have had medical professionals come to me now and say, I've been watching you do these this for so many years. Yeah. Exhibit classic switching symptoms. 
And I just thought you were, you know, a rock star. Yeah. And, and 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 they thought it was on on purpose, or just like deep focus, which is kind of what it is. And I, I was staying with a friend in London, on the last Muses tours just yeah. a few years ago, yeah. and he had never seen the Muses before. And went to the show, and he stayed up, um, until I got home, like two o'clock in the morning. He's an actor, so he had to leave like yeah. a couple hours later. <laughs> right. He said, it's really important to me. We have to talk about this. I hate to tell you, but you were switching. And I said, you know, it's the end of the tour. I'm tired. <laughs> and she's so much better than me. <laughs> so she's a different person. I called her Rat Girl, which is why my first book is uh, called that. Yeah. And I, I just referred to myself as just like a little rat animal. And we played the rat in Boston, you know. they're like, And we fed rats on the commune. Yeah. And Oh, you had rats on the commune that you fed? <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I was three. <laughs> were they pet rats? Or they're they were Buddhist just... creatures too. Oh right, <laughs> dirty hippies. <laughs> was that was that the trauma? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. as, it's not there anymore unless I want it to be. And, and my son Wyatt looked in and into it. He said, "You know, there are uh, support groups for dissociatives. Yeah. You'd have twenty five people in a room, and, and if they all Five. associate, they're hundreds. Yeah. And the only rule is you you're not allowed to switch. So there's this control aspect. And now I realize, well, obviously, if it's a psychological endeavor, there's some sort of choice yeah. being made. Well, well, that's right. Sort of like you know, like with meditation and thoughts, I imagine. Yes. Uh huh. Absolutely. Right. And it's similar to meditation. To like it's... stopping the noise. Yes. Yeah. But and... you don't want to stop the noise because that's where the songs come from. Well, the noise would be not songs for me. <laughs> ah. To escape is to go into the world of music, even though oh, to get away it's from where that. the trauma is. It's it's sublimation to the max, uh-huh. and it makes it beautiful, so you can handle it. Okay, you know, right. beauty's not pretty; it's just very real. And if you can do real, then yeah. you can do beauty. It's which is why I don't belong in the music industry. It's, it's right. not the place for that. Well, no, I mean, it, it, well, it seems like uh, so. Well, it seems like you don't. It would be hard to control that because the music industry would want you to keep repeating yourself. So it stops the process. That's interesting. I just thought they wanted me to dumb it down. I don't know. I think that it seems to me that they're they're not necessarily that intelligent, but if they got a good thing, they just want to keep hammering it. That's true. <laughs> and a lot of them, like the individuals, were super cool. They had yeah. great record collections. And I'd sit in their offices saying... Why do you sell crap when you know better? And yeah. say, well, because crap sells. It's like, well, crap sells because you sell crap. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Just the other night, I, I watched a new uh, unreleased, as of yet, documentary about Sparks, about the band Sparks, about the Males Brothers. You know, and they've made, you know, 20, 30 records, and they've always done it their own way. And they have this weird little following, and they're very respected by certain pop-minded people. But theirs has been a journey outside of the record industry and, really? and through all different forms. Yeah. Yeah, they've been around forever. And I, I've got a few of their records. I just never locked in, but they've sort of had three or four lives. They've kept putting out records. Mm. It's just these two brothers. I think we'll hear more and more about... Have You I, You don't know that. Sparks either? Yeah, I've heard yeah, of it. But, I've heard of it, too. Yeah. I don't, but I used to see them around, but I was like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> well, I, apparently I'm not alone, but... Uh, but uh, That's kind of cool. I walked down the street in New Orleans, yeah. and there are 
people playing on porches, people playing out windows, oh, yeah. people playing in churches and yeah. bars. It's a spontaneous impulse to play music. The idea that we have packaged it is sort of moving away from the apple on the tree and toward McDonald's. So you can show up mm-hmm. with this, you know, basket of apples and say, I just found these. Aren't they mm. cool? And they say, like, yeah, if we chop them up and put them in these weird fried little pies, they're yeah. going to make people dumber and sicker. And yeah. You start to sort of grip your apples and go, no, I want to go home with these. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. But, like, I mean, there is sort of, you know, the harnessing of the magic. I mean, obviously, there are people that worked within the the music industry that were able to realize their limitations and and still embrace their genius because they had a certain amount of of freedom because of their ability to sell but also do what they want. I mean, there have been people that have made a lot of money that made some good shit. Yeah. I think it's moments we're looking for. Mm. I wouldn't say there's a genius, but there are genius moments and we're all capable of them. I get suspicious when people are after the rewards of the entertainment industry. If they want attention, they want money. I think well, you might not be in the right space to receive some music that could help anybody else. Right. Well, yeah, some people also fuck with the idea of entertainment and those people are always welcome. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't like the word art. Yeah. But as applies as it applies to entertainment, yeah. then it's just a big open space for it. We could <laughs> use it. I mean, the monkeys did some cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> Stepping stone was good. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself playing that progression so often. It's like, God yeah, damn it, why'd you take that yeah, one? Yeah, <laughs> that's those three chords, man. <laughs> so... In a sense, the, the the music at the beginning was was you had to do it. Yeah, yeah. I still have to do it. Well, clearly, you don't stop doing things. I don't know where the fuck you have time. So did 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 you have all your kids, or did some other personality have them? <laughs> I had them all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's funny that when I play solo, they put me on at 8. Throwing music goes on at 10, and 50-foot wave goes on at midnight. So the louder you are, the later you are. And uh-huh. By the time 50-Foot Wave, which is my DIY experiment yeah. in extricating myself from, from the industry, music, yeah. uh, I was sleeping maybe literally two hours yeah. a night. We were on the road for six months at a time saying, this is this is the work ethic I play. We will show up. We will pass the hat. And we're going to see how this works as a cooperative. And no image, no names necessarily, no yeah. money. And... Uh, I paid my dues. We had great people show up. We were were kind of noise rock, so we were a little bit slotted into wave. a genre, which is out of character for me. Yeah, and we had the benefit of that. But within that form, yeah. there was a lot else going on that was maybe a little hyper challenging for the the genre itself. Yeah. And but we did okay. We yeah. stayed out for years and years, and. Uh, and yet, I, I'd load out at maybe two in the morning, and everybody's finally going to bed on the bus at three, yeah. and my baby's going to get up at five. And <laughs> I thought, I'm going to die, <laughs> but I'm having it all. <laughs> I'm living the dream, but it's going to kill I'm me. I'm dying the dream. Yeah, I'm dying the dream. <laughs> but oh, so, well, that's wild. So, like, you, you know, in, in terms of 50 foot wave, and also having the baby and also having this not yet controlled disassociative issue and dealing with this trauma. I mean, it seems like, you know, you, whether you knew it or not, you were you were you were sort of countering 
uh, being taken over by that darkness, right? What a nice way of looking at it. I was actually, mm. which is, as far as coping mechanisms go, it's it's pretty uh, useful and not fair. People mm. aren't allowed to do that, and so I had to, I had to face that. You know, they're not allowed to do it in in the sense of like you know regular people because it seems yeah. like you know we choose our lives. Like you know, as a comic, you, you know, for whatever reason I'm doing it, which I've investigated and you know i know the pathology and i also know you know the job uh-huh <laughs> and you know the ludicrous nature of this place you have to call yourself on the ego in order to call the ego on itself and this is the role you play mm. it's perfect mm. we need you oh. just as an aside <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> well you know the you know the the, the egoless vulnerability is it's hard to live in and i i can't i you know and i can't i i can't imagine living in it with you know the weight of terror uh mm. you know being self-generated yeah well this is why we like to align with losers because losers is in quotation marks we're calling the game on itself as mm. the joke mm. that it is mm. and that may be an interim solution but it's it's a kind one. Mm. We'll find our people doing that, and you yeah. know the the culture itself will celebrate narcissism and exhibitionism. Yeah, and we're here to say like eh, let's let's try moving the spotlight over here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into the shadows. Yeah, well that's happening on TikTok. I don't know if you know that, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of uh, shadows on TikTok. Just regular people. Doing stuff in their bathrooms and in their living rooms. I know. And their... I kind of love that. Yeah. No, I... I mean, it's it's sort of interesting that, that there's a whole generation of people that don't, you know, really buy into the business of entertainment. Absolutely. And, uh, and what they're really kind of resonating with is just uh, the humanness of people that can do one or two things. I've, yeah. I mean, I never believed that people walking past People magazine in the... Yeah, the grocery store cared more about those people than their own people. We were just trying to sell something. Sure, as, as this entertainment industry country that we are. <laughs> right, right. And it feeds back on itself, and yet that feedback loop yeah, is, it's is big, not really hitting hard. It's no, a shallow well, thing. Well, the last four years was you know that was the uh, the means to an end of entertainment culture is what we lived through as a country with that fucking president. Absolutely. That was not... He came out of the sewer of entertainment culture. Absolutely. I thought that was kind of instructive. There is still something to be said about, you know, putting the time in and, you know, and being and, and having a craft in place and knowing yourself as a, as a performer and as an artist. And, you know, despite whatever, you know, we may say about the system of entertainment or how we feel about it. I mean, the truth is, is that as time goes on and you can hear even, you know, in your music and even in this book that, you, you know, you're a creative person that, that has learned and, and wrestled with things and now has, you know, several different ways to express themselves, you know, fairly thoroughly with a certain amount of confidence, you know, and that's not nothing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so when did the when did the, it start that, you know, you really felt like you had to push back? I mean, because I remember you had a pretty big couple of hits, right? I wouldn't know that. Oh, I yes, you would. I mean, was sound like us. No, uh, Dizzy was kind of a big oh, hit. Oh, I'll say that. that. Well, you know, that that's when the, um, the record company was saying, you, you got to give us something dumb for radio or we're going to drop you. And Is it dumb or, or the same? <laughs> what do you... <laughs> I didn't write it. My dad wrote it. Your dad and, wrote Dizzy. Um, 
So, but we started like tweaking it as a joke because they mm. they promised me, all right, put anything else you want right. on the rest of the record, right? And I thought, well, all right, that's a good deal, whatever. At yeah, least yeah, I can yeah. keep working. Who's telling you this? The, oh, re- the, the record company. Okay, yeah. okay. And uh, I didn't want to have to do the other thing, you know, the the toddler whore thing. <laughs> so I was what, like, all right, mugging the dumb camera? song it is, yeah. And uh-huh. and so it was this song, dude wrote my dad, and and his version was wasn't as stupid because we yeah. kept throwing stuff in, going, yeah. all right, and here's. I can't even talk about it. it, but it was a joke, and it was sort of making fun of them. Like, this is how dumb y'all are. Yeah, you know, you're, okay. you're gonna like this, and then yeah, they, they did. did yeah. And everybody liked it's it. It's not funny anymore. In no, words. but the whole album is good. Devil's Roof is good. Oh, you're on. so nice to know that. What do you mean? Yeah, Dave and I <laughs> wrote Devil's Roof, and then the others all went out to dinner. We weren't hungry, so we wrote Devil's Roof, and they were all so pissed when they got back. Why? Like, another song to learn, you know. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I was like, we said, it's supposed to be for music, aren't we dorks. A, aren't we a band? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when, so, but you had, you were enjoying yourself? <laughs> That's a great face. <laughs> I wish you could see faces on podcasts. <laughs> I mean. That was a beautiful question, Mark. Uh, I mean, no. You, I love music. Yeah. And obsessions have a dark uh, edge. Yeah. And, okay. But it, it's different now. You know, I, I went through this thing where I, I became present and I had to become more like the music and the music had to become more like What me. was the thing? What do you mean you went through this thing? It's uh, EMDR. Oh, yeah. That's good. I like that stuff. Yeah. I've had it. it that worked for really? you? Really? Yeah. It took a long time because this was about a child. Uh, it wasn't about me. Uh, it had you're the child you were no uh, oh. my older son was kidnapped um by his own father and when it, was this well this is what the first chapter of the book is about okay you can read it later it's not um not a place i like to go okay but it's in the book yeah and, and it has happened to a lot of people yeah no uh, i yeah I've it's heard real that. easy to say and and did it resolve itself i mean did you uh in a way yeah and I have four beloved children, and I you never have a lost relationship Junie's with heart. that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, cu- I never uh, could move past that day when the baby was gone. And it, I would say to people who said, "But yeah. time has passed, and right. Dooney's here," yeah. and I would say, "But something like that doesn't go away." And you, that feeling of what it does. Yeah. The act and then the reaction to the act is is embedded. That's right. Right. Which is a truth. And right. yet it does it should be placed in time. And that's yeah. what you can't do with PTSD. Because it stays it keeps reacting. Right. It keeps it keeps uh, happening again. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. triggers like any right. summer oh, and yeah. uh yeah. driving, thinking there was an empty baby seat behind me, things like that. Uh, hearing a child cry. Ugh. Um I couldn't do, and my my bandmates would, everyone sort of took care of me. They knew yeah. those things about me, but it was never articulated. It just was, as a heartbreak. But and fair enough. This is how we are on Earth, as you know. When it happened, there was nothing you could do legally. Um, I was embroiled in a custody dispute after that. Wow. Um. Ugh! What a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And. This was in what? How so? It was he was a baby when that three happened. years old. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. And and this and where were you? What year was that? Where were you in your life? I had 
I was just trying to get out of my Warner Brothers contract. Oh, so everything was hitting the fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, A whole lot of legal shit at once. And um, a lot of realizing how cruel Earth can be when it lets bad voodoo in, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we compete instead of cooperate. Right. um, Well, it's interesting how much of the hippie ideal you have in your head. (laughs) I have carried more than I thought I would. (laughs) My kids make fun of me. They do a sort of Blanche Dubois plus. Yeah. But you never stop creating. It doesn't seem like you ever have ever taken a break, really. No, that would be a nightmare for me. Because you wouldn't have anything to treat the uh, trauma, the pain. And the, well, it, it was a lot of, you know, I hate to make it sound like my whole yeah, catalog was yeah. so miserable. It's it was, not miserable, but it's 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 um, like, you know, the type of, of uh, like you were saying, it's not, not unlike when you do a reading and you have a certain type of people that gravitate towards you, you uh-huh. know, whether they're PTSD or whatever. So, you know, your particular frequency is is going to attract those who it relieves as well what a beautiful way of putting it because it is an energetic and it is yes. a resonance and that's right. what a good show right. is as opposed to right. a stupid one like that spotlight mm. you know it has mm-hmm. now been co-opted as if your attention just goes to it with well, love <laughs> well, well that was always the the issue with with bands who were misunderstood uh-huh. You know, who, with bands who who write songs that aren't understood by the the people that come to hear them, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then it, it it makes them angry, the band, yeah, and they feel like you know, like how it's frustrating that this huge hit was was co opted by these people that don't understand us. That's a funny thing. You know, I never bitched about the record company when I was on it. I say, like, fair enough. You're yeah. about money. You pay for the record. You own the record. Right, I don't give right. shit about any of that. Yeah. I just don't want to suck. And the first thing I noticed about what had changed in my life was that our audience was no longer our audience. Uh-huh. We had had these, like, well, people like you, yeah, like, right. listeners, that they yeah. were there. There was that right. circular breathing going on between the audience and the people on stage, which is just to facilitate yeah. listening. A stage isn't to be bigger. It's yeah. not to be brighter. It's just so that we can hear what's going on. And afterwards, they treated us like electricians who were running currents <laughs> through their homes, and that's it. And then suddenly, it was a bunch of, like, fucking frat guys who yeah. wanted to hear the dumb song right. that they bought radio play right. for yeah. and they saw us on a dumb magazine that yeah. they bought the cover and I just thought this is wrong and I, I'm not saving anybody by extricating myself but I don't have to be part of the problem mm. and so it, I lost everything obviously when I finally won my way out of that contract by trading my first solo record for our freedom yeah. my freedom anyway and um, I had to work for now it was like 30 years to build a listenership right. that is not fandom, that weird, sycophantic, like, I want you on a pedestal so I can knock well, you off. But it's like, but it, that's a, test, a testament to the magic of music. You know, it's like, you, you, can't, you, you know, you don't know how that thing's going to enchant anybody. 
you know, music's this weird thing. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it, whether or not they, you know, understand it as deeply or or seem like the kind of people you would like, I mean, you're going to throw a spell, you know, you're going to, you know what I mean? You know, some people are going to be like, what's that guy doing here? I don't know. It, it hit him. You know, what are you going to do? I know. And this is, <laughs> I think, why I have no demographic. And I get in trouble for that with publicists all the <laughs> yeah, time. It's yeah. like, tell me who your people are. And I was like, well, I hope you can't define them superficially. You're like age, yeah. race, gender. What kind of? Well, I, I always would I say be? it's not a demographic; it's a disposition. Mm. You know, and like you said, an energetic. Yeah, right. Thing. So, so you know, what, I guess what we were addressing is just that you know, over time, you know, your music will s- deeply soothe those who, who, who have the same depth as you in terms of what you're putting out there. So it's not that it's dark, or it's not that it's all painful or whatever, but but the you know, it does speak, you know, directly in a deep way to a certain type of person that most likely is uh, uh like minded or yeah. like hearted at least. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's plenty of them out there. there it's hard really it's a little are. easier to find now. It's, you can have more success it is. finding them. There the constraints have been um removed a bit in the crash of the industry but you know we lost some good soldiers in the fallout and yet we all knew it was going to happen yeah. and it should happen it's like any other war yeah well now like it's like all i hear like i've got you know i know people who are in the music business in a big way and now it's like they're, they're just sort of like it's all about the merch <laughs> <laughs> You gotta get get those T-shirts, Kristen. You gotta. How are you doing with hats? You got hats and patches. You gotta get some hats and patches. We had a pretty quality mug for a while. I have not gone the merch route. No. <laughs> gotta get that merch, man. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of sweet. At least it's sure. honest. No, and it's nice to have a like a, something people can drink out of or a hat they like to wear. I know, and then then you got your little tribal thing yeah, going. Yeah, right. <laughs> People show up with their shirts. It's free advertising for us. That's the other problem is like, how do you identify, you know, just on the on on the brand level? I know. Especially <laughs> me, because my people are all anti-marketing. How do you market to that? This whole book is anti-marketing. How so? Well, it's saying, like, everybody's familiar with anti-fashion, right? They're right. like, well, soul and vanity probably don't hang. But anti-attention, only because it's been co-opted so by marketing... They get all <laughs> chasing their tails about it. Like, we have to put anti-attention in a magazine. We have to put anti-attention in a movie. What is, <laughs> what is anti-attention? It just means let's work, find your people and work for them and don't try to sell them on anything that isn't for them. Oh. Don't try to fool anybody. Don't manipulate. But it, but it seems like this book does seem to uh, approach you know, all of the sort of darkness and light of, of not just motherhood, but you know motherhood in uh, in, in a sort of interesting universe that you live in uh but also a lot of motherhood i mean you're not everybody you know who lives normal lives has four fucking kids yeah now how did that you know so the first dude the not good dude i guess that you had the first child with um where did the other kids come in how did that all happen uh then i got married and had two more? Three more. Three more. Same yeah. dude. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Better dude? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> 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 and now they're uh, all six feet tall and they're all kind of gone. And They all get along? Oh, yeah. They're like puppies. It's funny. I, I toured 
pregnant with all of them. Yeah. And I was worried about standing next to the amp, then oh, yeah. in utero, and <laughs> yeah. we have pretty loud bands. Bouncing them around in the fluid. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, I would bring them to the studio, which has this big pink velvet couch uh-huh. in it, and they'd all be sitting there bored. You know, mom, whoever she is, is the most boring creature yeah, on yeah. earth. Look at her yelling in there with her guitar. <laughs> yeah. and and they would just kind of be giggling and stuff until... The distorted guitar would come through the speakers, <laughs> and then they would all fall asleep. Why? And I want to think it's because in utero that was their lullaby, and uh, there's no coloration the vibration. there. Like, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, just going like. And you know, somebody's taking care of me. As long as it sounds like this, then I'm okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Did you like? Are you conscious of influence? I mean, outside. I mean, obviously, you know having a relationship with Vic or resonating with Vic Chestnut, you know, the songwriting is kind of astounding, you know, with him. Mm-hmm. But do you, you know, musically have influences? I wish I did. Yeah? I, I'm not so... Uh, Aware of it? I, I, you know, my parents took me to Woodstock. <laughs> the Woodstock? The Woodstock, yeah. Not oh, the you're there town, with the rest of the hippies? The, yeah, and so I had that kind of soundtrack around, but well, they how were old from were you, like two, something like that. Yeah, and you know they drew a third eye on my forehead. Did they? And, but they're also from Lookout Mountain in Tennessee. It's yeah, these Southern Baptists yeah. were raising me Buddhist, and so there was a lot of Appalachian folk songs. You going did some on of that as a grown-up. I did. Thank yeah. you for knowing that. Yeah. How did it feel to get into that groove? Um, Familiar. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot more um, of that that you can relate to my records than people usually do. I think that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I believe you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Did you hear that growing up? Yeah, yeah. Dude uh, played a lot of guitar. and Who did? My dad, Dude. Oh, okay. Um, that's and... actually his name? Well, I only get his birth name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what, what everybody calls him. <laughs> but he... The first oh, time so, that makes so much sense because that those those that Appalachian stuff is a d- fucking deep well of dark shit, man. It's true, <laughs> and I did this record for my kids because they weren't yeah. familiar with it. Mm. And I had which a, record was it called? The that uh, what's it called? Murder, misery, and okay. then good night. And okay. um, I sat them down in the studio because they were playing on it, playing piano and singing and stuff. And uh-huh. I said, eh, you know, this is. Uh, about murder, murdering your girlfriend, you know, getting <laughs> wasted and <laughs> killing people. And is that okay? You know, it's like Looney Tunes yeah. where you can't really hit people in the head with frying pans and jump off cliffs. Right, and right. Yeah. They looked at me like I was nuts. They had a full appreciation of, well, I don't want to say metaphor, but, you know, um, not that in a reductive sense, but yeah, metaphor. Straddling the dream and the healing. Well, yeah, they, I, I think they take in those stories as they will, uh, as deep as they're capable of. Right? It's true. So, so like the narratives are always there, and then they they just get deeper as the emotions connect to them as they get older. Yeah, and as they live their own tragedies, and they learn to not literalize. Like uh, I tend to see music as the real plane. <laughs> this one, as um, an almost. Uh huh. And so. Uh, Why? Because there's more continuity with music. Why? I don't know. No, I get it. Like, Because it's sort of like it's always right there. You just got to. I think so. It feels uh. like it's always vivid. Yeah. And this place 
you'd have to pick and choose among the vivids. And, and that's why writing prose is different. I, I got to find a story in what actually happened. I've only ever written truth. Mm. And you can't write the whole truth. That's just boring. In fact, with 30 years to work from, I was allowed to edit out everything boring. It makes my life sound in fucking sane. <laughs> when oh really <laughs> there's no peace there's no just sitting anywhere yeah very few <laughs> chapters are just sitting <laughs> so how so all your kids uh managed to uh you know find their 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 way in their lives and you know yeah i got a, a chef in new york yeah. a baker in new orleans and animator who was here working for Disney uh -huh. and then um, he collapsed in an Uber on his way to see me here for dinner, meet me and his little brother and was in the hospital for a long time. When we got there, they said he was not going to make it till morning and so he did and we all gathered around him for years to bring him back to himself. What happened? And, um, I don't know. Uh, he's, uh, he's on the, he's Spectrum Me. Yeah. And I used to argue against the concept of art and say, look, this, we are here. Yeah. We are all vividly here with yeah. our fingerprints that we're not snowflakes, yeah. but we've got to live this idiosyncratic universal thing. And if, if you got to call it art, go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's in everybody. And then I met Wyatt and it's like, ah, <laughs> this is art. So I bring him on promo tours, which is like, yeah, yeah, because he's the one who really couldn't be left behind. And a promo tour is not something you want to do to a kid, but yeah. I had to say, all right, mother's everything. And yeah. we'd fly to a different country every single day, and there wouldn't always be food. Yeah. And it's hard to sleep in a new hotel room every night. And right. He would fall asleep drawing and wake up, and the pencil and pad would still be on his pillow. He's just like a three or yeah. four-year-old. And he would just keep drawing while I dressed him, draw yeah. in the cab to the airport, draw in the airport. And when we got to the record company, there'd be his drawings from last year up on, he'd have a desk <laughs> yeah. and a waste paper basket. And I learned from him, he was about the drawing, not the drawings, to not be attached to what happens afterwards. Right. Which is... About the act of Yeah, drawing. fairly Buddhist, yeah. like all kids. Yeah. And uh, so he's now in a cleaning his karma as he sells in a health food store in New England <laughs> but he's this still an animator, animator. Yeah. And, and a musician I've, or f I forbade them all from playing music and he's, and he, is he the second kid the, he's the third the third yeah but, but so he's fully recovered and yeah he, yeah he's amazing huh. I and mean, he's he's my hero he's brilliant I mean beyond brilliant but and then there's this healthy little surfer boy in Encinitas so yeah and what is the, when the father do you get along with yeah. Oh. Yeah. Everybody's all cool now. It's like, okay. This is this is the time for everybody to be all cool, right? <laughs> it seems to happen. As we crumble, we get cool. It seems to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, because uh, you, you know, I I don't have children, and and there's no reason for any of my exes to have anything to do with me, so they don't. But my brother, as you know, over time, you, you know, as the kids get older, you, all the tension seems to. It's, I guess it's still there, but it, you know, life is life, and you yeah. sort of let go of certain things. I guess it wears itself out, especially it's like grief. If you can take it mm. out of your head and put it in your heart, it starts to crack open. You like really make it be in your body. Your body knows better what to do with it than your mind that that spins right, it out. Right, tries to 
fix it. Yeah, and then your life will either continue it or it'll get tired of it. Right, there's no figuring out. Right, and I think life gets tired of stress because there, there are more important things to do than not get along with people. I get along with absolutely everyone. And it's not because I have no convictions, yeah. but just because peace really is where it's at. Uh-huh. Gee, you're a fucking hippie. I know. <laughs> How sad is that? I tried so hard. <laughs> well, where where are you living? Um, with the... I've been in New Orleans for a while now, but I'm also with the little surfer kid in Encinitas. Okay. Um, just trying to, I'm going to hand that place over to him. Which place? This Encinitas place, and he'll take over the rent. And oh, okay. Just live with a bunch of surfers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really sweet. That's a, that's a nice uh, discipline. It makes for healthy psychologies. Oh, that's good. And in yeah. New Orleans, you have a house there? Um, I had a shotgun shack there. <laughs> I call it a house. Yeah. And I just handed that one over to the baker because he's got his own line of baked goods down there. So right now, you know, I'm probably living in my truck, but we'll see what happens yeah. in the next few weeks. <laughs> I know that's a hippie thing too, isn't it? Well, Sadly. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think that's a transient thing. There you go. <laughs> that. Transit with a good attitude, a, Right, no, there's a movie about it, right? There's a nomad land. It's very real. That's kind of how I've lived, and so I'm I'm open to it, but... And you're okay? Yeah, well, it's just always a split to see what happens next, and right now I have a 50-foot wave record and a solar record going on at the same time, uh-huh. so I got to get back to New England, and so I'll check on uh, the little animator at the health food store and uh-huh. make sure I'm still mom to everybody. Well... It was great talking to you. You too. And uh, and I, I I will I will take the five years and I'll, <laughs> I'll chip away at the book. <laughs> it's it's a little too exciting for that. Just gonna warn you, it's a thrill a minute. And no, it, it, it's beautifully written. The one the the, the 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 oh look, yeah, Black Francis said nice things. Yeah. Are you guys buddies dear. still? We are. Yeah. Yeah. We oh, were babies nice. together. Oh, we used to sing nice. songs about being homesick on the van, you know, overseas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he toured with the Pixies. Yeah. Well, be careful. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. You too. You know, uh, keep fighting the good fight. Oh, we'll do. Okay. I like fighting. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu. <laughs> oh, my God. How intense was that? I love her. Uh, Her new book, Seeing Sideways, a memoir of music and motherhood, is available now wherever you get books and listen to her music. Kristen Hirsch in the form of Throwing Muses or 50 Foot Wave or or Kristen Hirsch. Check her out. Let's do some phase work. Phase it.
Boomer lives. Monkey. Lavanda. Cat angels everywhere.